Hola, you're listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. Have you ever wondered what it'd be like to live and work in the middle of a growing tourism town? Sounds great, right? Well, it doesn't come without challenges. Like most people listening, I had a steady job, lots of stress, worked my tail off, all so I could enjoy vacations. One day I came to the realization that I needed to embed myself into a vacation permanently. So that's what I did. Now my home is San Juan del Sur, Nicaragua. It's a small town on the Pacific coast with a population of around 15,000 people. I have a small sailboat charter business which pays the bills and leaves a little bit left over to cover my habits. I mean, hobbies. And even though we call it paradise, Nicaragua is still a third world country. So picture this, a 36-year-old Texas guy and his two trusty Labradors are transplanted into a developing country. These are the stories of what life is like. Some good, some bad, but all entertaining. If you get a chance, check out our website. It's nikasailandsurf at gmail.com or my blog at brandontheharper.blogspot.com. That's brandontheharper.blogspot.com. Also, if you still use the email, you can send us an email to nikasailandsurf at gmail.com. That's N-I-C-A, nikasailandsurf at gmail.com. So that's it for the boring stuff. Sit back, relax, and live vicariously through me for about the next 30 or 45 minutes. like Whitney Houston from the 80s, there's something wrong with you and I cannot help you. And if I sound a little bit bitter right now, that's because I am. The reason for that is because this is my third time to record this episode of the podcast. I recorded the first one and the program froze up and I ended up losing the entire audio. And the second time I was in the middle of editing it. And I was cutting and pasting some pieces. And for whatever reason, when I went to paste the entire 30-minute long audio section, I pasted it, and it said audio not available. Audio not available. And it was just gone. I tried closing it and reverting back to a file that I'd saved earlier. Didn't work. So here I am recording it for the third time. So if I seem like I'm going a little fast, or maybe you're thinking there's some details that I've left out. You're probably right. I've not been motivated to do this for the third time. And I'm going on like day six now. And normally, like when I have enough material for a podcast, I sit down, I look forward to it, I knock it out. But I've been delaying this because it's just, 
I'm so bitter about it. Anyway, I'm now the owner of a new truck. And my main goal of today's show is to kind of recap that experience. So the Galloper officially sold on a, I think, Thursday or maybe a Friday. And I rented a Toyota Hilux truck to get me through the weekend until I could make it to Monago on Monday to buy a new vehicle. And the plan was to meet Byron, the taxi driver, um, and used car extraordinaire at the rental car place so I could return the truck and he could drive me to Managua and we could find a vehicle. And the goal was to find a vehicle, buy it, and return in the same day. So we met at the rental car place at like 7 o'clock. And I got up at 6.30 and I went to bed at 4.30. Yeah, 4.30 a.m. For some reason, when I know I have to get up early and I'm not getting much sleep, I cannot fall asleep. And I cannot fall asleep any earlier than midnight under normal circumstances. And this was a normal circumstance. I couldn't make myself go to bed any earlier. So my alarm goes off at 6.30. I snooze till about 6.45. Then I gather up the dogs and their food and their leashes and stuff and throw them in the truck because Zach needed to watch them in case I didn't make it back. Anyway, so we, we pull out on the road at like 7 o'clock, 7.15, and I immediately want to go to sleep. So that's what I did. In the meantime, Byron calls a couple of guys in Managua to ask them what they have available, like used car salesman guys. And so, you know, I kind of wake up every now and then, figure out what's going on, and go back to sleep. But when I first started thinking about it, I was a little bit worried because I thought to myself, man, we're just going to show up. We don't know where any of these cars are. We don't know what they have, what they don't have. And it just seemed like we were about to embark on a wild Monagua goose chase, which happens quite frequently in that town. I call it Baghdad because it's just someplace that's not desirable. So I was a little bit worried when we started out. But in the back of my mind, I knew that everything would work out, as is the custom for this country. Everything goes to hell really quick, and then it's resolved before you know it. And it just doesn't happen like that in the States. Like Problems in the States seem to kind of drag out and fester and linger. But here, for whatever reason, a problem presents itself, and then you have a solution, and it's gone before you can even do anything. So I've kind of learned not to worry about problems because they'll end up working themselves out. At least they have so far. In every situation, they've pretty much worked themselves out. One of the guys had a truck for sale that I had talked to the day before, and he lives in Leon, which is about an hour and a half from Managua in the opposite direction from where we were coming. So he was going to meet us in Managua to show us the vehicle, and it was like very clean, good-looking truck. But in the back of my mind, I knew that he probably wouldn't be there. And I was right. Sure enough, we started calling him first thing in the morning on the road. Didn't answer, didn't answer. Then his phone started going straight to voicemail. And I don't know why people would say that they're going to meet you and then not answer their phone. Maybe they just decided against it. I don't know. But I've come to expect that also. It doesn't really matter what they say. Whatever time they say they're going to be there, uh, you don't count on them showing up until they actually do show up. It's just the way, it's the way they do it. So we get to Managua and we stop at the first dealership. And Byron and I had decided to kind of tell a fib to the car salesman. We were going to make it look like he was buying the vehicle. I was just a man loaning him the money. And I was coming along because I wanted to see what he was buying with the money. So that's what Byron felt like would be best, uh, would get me the best deal. Because they see a gringo come in and they just see dollar signs. They think that we're just made of money. So we hop out of Byron's car and we start looking at a couple trucks. 
and I wasn't really happy with any of them. They were all kind of beat up and dinged up, and the window trim was all dry rotted. The tires were bad, and it just you can just tell they hadn't been maintained. So the guy comes and does a typical car salesman deal. You know, what are you looking to spend? What can I get you in? You know, and I was just I kind of told Byron, I said, I'm really not interested in anything here. There was one that was okay. They were asking like, you know, 5000 more than what I wanted to spend. And so Byron makes him an offer of the price that I want to spend. And they just kind of laugh at him. And then so Byron starts going up from there. And I kind of look at him like, what are you doing? Like, I'm not going to. Like, I'm not going to pay that. I told you, I told Byron that my maximum price was 14000 And so I was like, I'm not going to pay. You know, he was in the middle of negotiating for a truck that we hadn't even driven yet. And so he was already up to like fifteen five. And so I kind of pulled him aside and I was like, what are you doing? Like, why are you telling this guy that I'll buy this truck when I don't want it? And he was like, well, we have to negotiate a price. We came to look at the truck. And so as the day went on, I kind of figured out that here, the negotiating works totally different. You pull up to a truck, you get out, and then you start talking price immediately. There might be a little bit of exchanges to avoid the awkwardness, but they immediately start talking about price. And even if you have no intentions of buying the truck, it's okay to negotiate a price and then leave and then never, and never call them back. And I can only think that that's because of how the, the Latin culture, well, specifically Central America, I can't speak on behalf of all Latin culture, but from what I've seen, they don't like confrontation, so and they don't like telling people no. So a perfect example of that is like if you're lost and you're looking for directions and you ask someone where such and such gas station is, they may not know, but they will still give you some directions. And it's so frustrating because you would rather them just say, I, I don't know, but they won't. They don't want to tell you they don't know or that they feel like that they've let you down if they say, I'm sorry, but I don't know. So they'll just make up some directions and send you on your way. And so I think that's sort of how it is when you're buying a car too. They would negotiate a price, agree on a price, and then you start looking it over and you kick the tires and you open the doors and you drive it and all that. And it just, at first I didn't like it because it just was out of the ordinary compared to how we do things in the States. But then I was like, you know what? This really saves time because if you're not willing to see eye to eye on the price, then the other stuff doesn't matter. Although I do think that if you're not interested, you should just tell them, hey, I'm not, I'm not interested. But the whole negotiating the price part up front seems, seems practical to me. I wish that things worked like that in the States. Another thing that I noticed is that used car salesmen must just have a reputation over the entire world. Because I could tell that through Byron's body language and kind of some stuff he said to me, that he was just dissatisfied with how pushy some of these guys were. The most extreme case was a, a little guy, or a little kid, I say kid, he was probably 19, that was obviously working in his dad's place. Because we pull up in Byron's car, we get out, kind of start looking around, and the kid's hollering as he's jogging up and saying, what are you looking to buy today, my friends? I've got whatever you need. You're not leaving here without a car. We'll sell you what you want. And I was just laughing to myself and kind of kicking the dirt. And Byron was doing the same thing, so I could tell that he was feeling the same way that I was about this kid. So the kid gets up to us. It was like Byron says to him, I'm looking for a Toyota Hilux between these years, you know, around this price. And so, of course, the, you know, typical thing is he's, come here, let me show you what I got. You know, I got all the Hiluxes you need. How many Hiluxes you want? We'll outfit them all. So 
he goes and shows us this one's like $25,000. And I'm thinking to myself, Byron, please don't even start negotiating on this. I don't have time. You know, the whole negotiating thing was good, but it started adding time to the day. So after about three or four negotiations on trucks that I knew I wasn't going to buy, that we never even test drove, I told Byron, hey, if I don't like it, I'll look at you and shake my head, and then just let's just not negotiate. So with some reluctance, he, he kind of did that. But anyway, so we're now going to look at this $25,000 truck, and I told Byron, like, I'm, let's just, I don't even want to talk about it. Let's go look at something else. So Byron tells the kid, hey, we're looking for something around, you know, 15000 so he's like, oh, yeah, I've got, I've got exactly what you need. So he goes over and he shows us a Toyota Hilux. It's a 2005 model, which is the year before they changed the body style to the most recent body style. And so it's kind of become known as the old, hardworking truck that you can't replace and the new ones aren't as good. And the parts are heavy duty and the body's heavy duty and the suspension's better and it's got crank windows so there's less stuff to break and when they do break parts are very easy to come by and I didn't really like that body style so I never really had any interest in looking for those and they're priced higher like an 05 in great condition is priced higher than an 06 in good condition so they're not really priced accordingly they're it reminds me of how the 7.3 liter works in the Ford uh, world so if you have a 7.3-liter engine, which was made from, like, 99 to 03, um, that's the most desirable one, then it's worth, like, a little bit more than the trucks of, of like, 04, 05 trucks because they had engines in them that were crappy. So it's the same type of thing with these trucks. Everyone wants the older ones. So I was like, you know what? Let's... Um, let's negotiate. So I told Byron, yep, you know, let's, let's try to get them down this price and go from there. But I kind of liked the truck and I was willing to buy it. I didn't feel extremely good about it, but I figured it would grow on me. And I figured it was the wise decision. Like if I were an old man, that's the truck that I would be wanting. So Byron said, we'll give you 13,000. The kid just looked at him and started laughing. I was like, this truck should be 17,000. You're going to insult me with something that low. And then so finally I was like, well, then what will you take? He's like, I'll take 15,300. I just looked at him and smiled and shook my head, and I said, you're going to come off $200, and that's it? He's like, okay, okay, I can do fifteen two. And so we just laughed, and I said, come on, Byron, let's go. This, I don't even want to give this guy our money, or my money. So we get back in Byron's car. The kid runs up to the window. He's like, where, where are you going? You don't want this truck? And I was like, you're not even willing to negotiate. Why would we waste our time here? And so he's like, you're going to drive all over town. You're going to find that this truck is the best deal in town. You're, you're going to look around. You're going to come back, and you're going to want to buy this truck for fifteen five. And you better hope that I hadn't sold it yet. And I just started laughing. I couldn't believe this guy had the audacity to do that. It was like the epitome of pushy, slimy car salesman. This kid was 19, maybe 20. I can't imagine what he's going to be like when he's like 45. So just for that, when we pulled out of there, I wrote the whole thing off. I had no desire to go back and buy that truck just because I didn't want to give any money to that kid. When the day started out, I was dead set on getting a Hilux. I thought there was nothing else that I'd want and everything. I'd done all my research and I was ready to buy it. But as the day went on, they were just crappier than I expected. They were all banged up and beat up and 
I just kind of got the feeling that they hadn't been maintained. You know, if somebody's going to let their truck go and the tent's going to be peeling off the windows and everything looks bad, it hadn't been waxed, what are the chances that they've actually kept up with the oil changes and servicing the rear end and flushing the radiator? Probably not very good that they'd done that. So I kind of teetered with the idea of a Mitsubishi truck, but I didn't really like the color, so I was just kind of, kind of keeping it open. So we pull up to this other lot, and we tell the guy we're looking for a high lux and tell him the year and all that. So he shows us what he has. And once again, he had one of the older ones. And so by this time, I'm thinking, you know what? I probably, if I can find a good deal on an older one, that's fine. I'll get one. Because they, the older ones that were kind of higher priced were in better shape than the newer ones that were lower priced. So I was satisfied with settling on that. And so... The guy comes up, he's like 16,000, couldn't go any lower than 15. So I said, well, what else you got? So he walks out front and shows us this Toyota Tacoma that was sitting there when we pulled in. Black, little three-inch lift, some bigger mud train tires on it, crew cab, which they call a double cab here. And when we pulled in, Byron and I both looked at it, looked at each other, and we're like, whoa, that's a nice-looking truck, you know. But we didn't even bother asking the price before we went to look back at the Hiluxes because... We just assumed it would be out of my price range. So I asked the guy, you know, well, how about that black Tacoma? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's a nice truck. He said it was imported from Florida from a gringo, and he brought it down, and he lived in Chinandanga, which is up north, and ended up selling it for whatever reason. I don't know. I think the guy moved back home or something. So I was like, well, what are you asking for it? And he was like, twelve five. And Byron and I looked at each other, and we were both like, whoa, that's way less than what we expected. So I told Byron, I said, let's take it for a test drive. And we got in it, and man, I tell you what, I haven't driven a little Toyota with a big V6 in it, maybe that I can think of ever, but if I have, it's been a long time. And I put my foot through the floorboard on this thing, and when it barked the tires hitting second gear, I thought to myself, yeah, I think I need to maybe try to buy this truck. (laughs) Like the 22-year-old in me came out. You know, I'd set out to buy a vehicle that was going to be easy to work on, And everyone knew how to work on it and simple parts and parts can be bought anywhere. And what did I end up doing? I bought a truck that's imported from the States that has never been sold in Nicaragua. So the Tacoma has never been offered by Toyota in Nicaragua. And I know one day I'm going to be kicking myself for buying the truck because I know that one day I'm going to have to wait for like three weeks for parts to come in from the U.S. I'm sure. Although I've talked to a couple people and they both have said, no, there's plenty of Tacomas here where you can get parts and people are familiar with them. You just got to go to the right place. Well, going to the right place is probably Managua, which is two and a half hours away, in which case it'll probably have to be towed there. So in the future, when you hear me talk about how much I hate the Tacoma, you don't have to remind me. You don't, you don't have to like tell me, well, I, yeah, you knew that. You, you said that. You said you wanted Ilux because I'll know that. I'll remember that. So just... Stand by me and support me when that day comes. So after the test drive, we got back to the dealership, and I had kind of acquired a list of things that were wrong with the truck. And I told him, I said, look, 11.5, you fix these things, I'll take it. So he said, okay. So they start working on the list. We go to the lawyer's office to do the paperwork because you have to have a lawyer transfer the ownership of the vehicle, which I think I've said this before, but lawyers down here are not really lawyers. They go to school on Saturday for about a year and a half, and then they're a lawyer. 
It's more about who they know and what they can get done. But anyway, we had to have the paperwork done. So we go to the lawyer's office and I'm starving. I haven't eaten anything. It's now like three o'clock, three thirty maybe. Haven't eaten anything all day. Nothing. Not one bite. So I tell Byron, I said, Hey man, are you hungry? On the way there. And he's like, No, 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 I'm not hungry. I'm thinking, great. <laughs> so it's me, Byron, and the car salesman, which is the owner's father, are driving to the lawyer's office. What's funny is that they also sent another guy from the car dealership to follow us. And I don't know if they thought there's a chance that we were going to jack the old man and take his car. But Byron's car was at the dealership, so we'd have to go back there. Otherwise, we'd leave them his car. Either way, so I thought it was kind of funny. They sent some other guy. We go to lawyer's office. I pound like three or four Gatorades. I'm sure they're thinking like, well, there goes our profit. He just drank four Gatorades. Because I think the whole thing cost 300 cords, which is a little over 10 bucks. So we get the paperwork done, go back to the dealership. It's now about 4 o'clock, 4.15, and they're still working on the list. And I finally told Brian, I said, look, we've got to go eat something. I'm starving. So we get in the car, go to this little Nicaraguan place, has like home-cooking Nicaraguan food. Kind of reminds me of like this is, like people that go there to eat is the same as people in Texas going like little cafes on the, in the small towns with, you know, smells like cigarette smoke. It's the same people in there every day. Although it was a little bit different setup, I just had the feeling that that was the, that was the association with this type of place. It was basically like a, a serving line with some Nicaraguan ladies on one side fixing your plate for you, kind of like Luby's, and they hand it over to you, and then you go sit down, and they come wait on you. So it was really cheap, though. I think three of us ate for $21, and that included three beers, and that included the tip. So I don't know if I'll ever be able to find that place again, but if I do, I'm going to eat there. So we get back to the dealership, and as there's still a couple more things they're working on. And keep in mind, they told us to be back by 5 o'clock because they close at 5. So we get back at like 4.50, and they're still an hour away from So I'm talking to the owner of the dealership, and I can tell that he's a car guy. And he's kind of like interested in cars and proud of how clean his cars are. And just, just seems like he's into it. And so that made me feel good. And I saw a little truck that he had that was a drag truck. And I figured it was his. I figured it probably wasn't for sale. And so I went to ask him about it, and he was telling me it had a Supra engine, a Supra transmission, and all kinds of turbo and, and stuff. He said run 12 flat quarter miles. And so I was like, whoa. So we kind of bonded over the whole hot rod uh, thing. He was pretty knowledgeable, and he was very proud of his little hot rod. So that made me feel good that I, like, did business with a car guy <laughs> because I don't think there's too many of them here. I think that the guys here are just – pushing for the sale, trying to get their money, and they're not really interested in cars. So about 6 o'clock rolls around. They hand me the keys. We drive it out of there, and I head back to San Juan. It took me about three hours to get back. As I'm coming back into town, I call Zach. I'm letting him know that I was going to come by and pick up the dogs and go home, and he said, well, we're out. You know, it's such and such birthday. Why don't you swing by the little microbrewery and have a couple beers? I said, okay, uh, that was probably around 9 o'clock, something like that. So about 1 a.m., I decide to go home, and it, I'm also thinking, like, I don't know how I'm doing this on two hours of sleep. So I get home with the dogs. It's 1 a.m. I'm a little bit tipsy. I'm just wanting to go to bed, and my key won't open the door. And I go get Felipe 
the nighttime watchman slash caretaker slash Superman. And I said, hey, Felipe, my key won't work. And I show him. He's like, oh, yeah. They changed the locks today because he knew that I was having some problems with my key. So he said, yeah, they changed the locks today. And I said, why did they not leave a key for anyone? He's like, well, I don't know. I'm like, okay, well, how are we going to get in here? And he says, hang on. He runs back to his little guard shack, and he comes back with his machete, his trusty machete. And I think if you gave Felipe a machete and a, and a pistol, and he could only have one or the other, I think he'd go for the machete. So he comes back with it, and he's just itching to break a window and cut a screen. And I was like, hold on, stop, just time out. Let's see if we can break something else. I said, maybe we can just break the lock. And so if we just damage the lock, that'll be easy to replace. Because I'm thinking whatever we break is going to have to be fixed. And the more awkward it is to fix, the longer it's going to be, the more guys are going to be coming over to the house trying to fix it. And so I said, look, let's just try to break the lock. So he's like, okay. So I said, go get me a big flathead screwdriver and a hammer. And Felipe comes back with some vice grips and a little bitty teeny tiny Phillips head screwdriver. And so I'm like, Felipe, what are we going to do with this? So I take the screwdriver and I take the hammer and I start wedging it into the lock between the door and the lock and I'm bending on it and the screwdriver's starting to bend and Felipe is like, stop, stop. He's like, you're bending the screwdriver. And I was like, Felipe, I do not care about this screwdriver. I'm well aware that I'm bending it and I'm going to bend it until it breaks or I get in this house. So I get on it some more and I'm tearing it up and I'm jerking everything back and forth and Felipe's like, let me try for a minute. And so I had pulled the lock down to expose the top portion of the hole, this board and the door. And so he had the Phillips head screwdriver. He's trying to jam it in there and turn the lock. And I'm thinking to myself, Felipe, there's no possible way you're going to be able to do this. Of course, I didn't say anything. I'm just thinking, he's just wasting his time. He's wasting my time. And I'll be damned if like two minutes didn't go by and pop, the door pops open. He pushes it and just a big smile on his face. So I give him a high five. I'm like, thanks, Felipe. And all we damaged was the lock. And the next night, it was about 10.30 or 11. And I hear, the front door's always open. The back door's always open so the breeze can come to the house. So I, whenever they need me, they just kind of come tap on the door or whistle or something. And so I hear tap, 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 Brando. I walk in there, and there's Felipe with his machete. And he's got a snake draped over it, dead snake that he'd kill. And I'm thinking, oh, Felipe wanted to come show me that he'd kill the snake. <laughs> so I'm, you know, telling him good job, and we're talking about the snake. And I'm like, what kind of snake is that? And it was like greenish-brown uh, and white were the two color schemes. Like it was big, wide markings of greenish-brown and then little thin white stripes. I'm like, what is that? What kind of snake is that? He's like, that's a coral snake. And then here I go. No, Felipe, thinking to myself, that's not a coral snake. Coral snakes, red and yellow kill a fellow. Everyone knows that. And I was explained to him, I was like, no, I think coral snakes are red and yellow and black. He's like, no, 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 this is just a different color scheme, but it's still a coral snake. And I was like, okay, whatever. So I didn't think much of it. The night's kind of going on. And about an hour later, I hear Felipe tapping on the door again. But I know. So I go out there, and he's got another snake <laughs> draped over his machete. And this time... It is a red and yellow kill a fellow coral snake. So I'm like, that is a coral snake, Felipe. Muy peligroso. Very dangerous. He's like, I know, I know. It's the same kind. So I said, I don't think it is. So I went and looked it up. And I'll be damned. Felipe is right. It's the two different schemes of coral snake. <laughs> so I've decided moving forward that I'm not going to question anything Felipe says. If Felipe tell me that the sky is red... And I'll look up in his blue. I'll probably still believe him. 
that it's red. So I'm not going to let him know that he's got that kind of power over me. But I've questioned him so many times, and every single time I've been wrong. And I'm just grateful that I haven't said aloud, like, no, Felipe, you're from the countryside of Nicaragua. I'm from the U.S., and I have this mighty education, and I'm right. And so, like, in my mind, even though that's not how I think, like, that's how it probably looked to him if I could portray my, my thoughts. So it's been pretty funny, but I've learned that Felipe should wear a cape and do not question what the man says. I say man, he's like 22. So one of the first couple of days I had the truck, I was driving down to the town, and there was an old lady walking on the side of the road in the middle of the daylight. It was blazing hot. And typically they walk from this neighborhood down to the road, either get a taxi or a bus or walk all the way to town, which is probably about a three-mile hike. So I saw her walking, older lady in the sun, holding uh, a little piece of sheet or something over her head to keep the sun off. And so I saw a lady walking behind her who's carrying a chicken. And I thought, I wonder if that chicken's alive or dead. So I pull over to pick up the lady in front that I saw. I was like, you need to ride into town? She's like, oh, sure, that would be great. So, man, they love getting in with the air conditioner going. They're just smiles, all smiles. And she motioned to her friend who was behind her, the one carrying the chicken, like, come on, we got a ride. So the friend kind of scurries up there, and I, I look back, and I'm like, whoa, 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 time out. I said, is that chicken alive or dead? She said, no, it's alive, and she picks it up, and it's like heads looking around. I'm like, yeah, but damn sure is alive. So I was like, is that thing going to shit all over the truck? And she was like, no, 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 it'll be fine. So to pacify me, she takes the chicken and shoves it headfirst into a book bag where its feet just sticking out. And the chicken was just fine and just rode just like that the whole time. And the whole time I'm thinking, what are they going to do with this chicken? I know they're probably going to eat it. I just don't know when. So I asked him, I said, what are you going to do with that chicken? She's like, oh, we're going to eat it. And I was like, when? She's like, tomorrow. It's her son's birthday and pointed to her friend. And I thought to myself, man, I bet you that chicken is going to feed the entire party. The only thing they're going to throw away from that chicken are the feathers. So... I'm picturing in my mind, as you know, what, what are they going to do with that thing? How are they going to stretch it and make it go far? And I was like, I bet you they're going to make a soup or some kind of stock with that chicken. And so I asked them, I said, how are you going um, to prepare that chicken? And they're like, oh, sopa, which means soup. And I was like, I knew it. I nailed it. They're going to make a chicken soup. And I wanted so bad for them to invite me to come over to the birthday party, but they didn't. But I bet you that was some pretty good chicken soup. And I bet you everyone was satisfied. There's plenty of food to go around and one chicken probably fed the entire family. So last time I mentioned that I'm going to tell a dog story from years past on each episode. So if you don't want to hear the dog story, just press end or stop or whatever, because that's, that's all that's left. So this story was when I lived um, on Lake Conroe. It was probably, I don't know, 2007, somewhere in there, 2006 maybe. And my mom and I both got golden retrievers at the same time from the same litter, Chevy and Blazer. I had Chevy, she had Blazer. And from day one, Blazer was always the wild man, always ran all over my mom, didn't listen to her, didn't mind, was just crazy, but had a big heart and loved to retrieve and just, you know, he tried to be good, but he just couldn't. It wasn't in him. Every now and then he'd behave for me, but he, he got severe spankings till he was about 10 or 11 years old. Never affected his attitude. So one day, my mom was over at my house with Blazer. I was outside in the back, and we lived on the lake. 
And so she was upstairs on the balcony. And next to the balcony, a roof ran down next to it. So it kind of cut in front of the guardrail on the side, if that makes sense. And Blazer loved to ride in boats, whether it was our hunting boat, ski boat, whatever. Like, he was always up for a boat ride. So I was outside. There's some guys that pulled in the bay or, like, in the little cove, and they were fishing on a little fishing boat. And he saw me, and he saw that boat, and he thought that I was going to get in that boat, and he wanted to go too. So he jumps on the roof from the balcony and then proceeds to jump off the roof, lands on this big retaining wall, rolls, hits the ground, hits the rocks, jumps up, shakes off his head, and makes a beeline for that boat, clears six foot of water from the dock into their boat, and turns around and looks at me and just... (laughs) And I was like, oh, man, how embarrassing, but how funny was that? So I apologize to the guys. I drag him off the boat. I go back inside, and my mom and I are just laughing hysterically in tears. So that was one of the good ones. Like, he hit the ground, jumped up, literally shook off mid-stride, hit the edge of the dock, jumped and landed in the boat, turned around like it was his job. And luckily the guys were good sports about it. They were laughing and still fishing. But, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was one to remember. All right, I think that about wrapped up today's show for the third time, mind you. And I've been hitting save the entire time this time. So thanks again for listening. Check out our website, nikasaleandsurf.com. You can check out my blog, brandonvharper.blogspot.com. Or if you're old school and you want to send us a fax, I'm just kidding, there's no fax. But you can send us an email, nikasaleandsurf at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Keep it tranquilo. Oh, 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 o